Monsignoria, a great open square in the heart of the city. A tense, excited throng bordering on hysteria is gathered here this 7th of April, 1498, demanding a miracle of Fra Girolamo Savonarola, the celebrated friar who rules this city-state from his pulpit in St. Mark's. Unless Savonarola can prove that he is divinely inspired, the people will overthrow him, destroy the republic he fathered five years ago, and return to power the Medici, family of merchant princes that Savonarola deposed. This great crowd here in the Piazza della Signoria has been gathering since early this morning to see Savonarola perform his miracle. April 7, 1498, Florence, Italy. You are there. The people of Florence demand a miracle of Savonarola. CBS takes you back 451 years to the bizarre moment that climaxed the struggle for power between the great Christian apostle of popular government and his bitter enemies, the Medici, symbol of medieval autocracy. All things are as they were then, except for one thing. When CBS is there, you are there. You Are There, produced and directed by Robert Louis Cheon, is based on authentic historical fact and quotation. And now... The Piazza della Signoria, Florence, Italy, and John Daly. of the Florentine Republic depends on whether or not Savonarola can perform a miracle before this great throng of emotionally charged Florentines. Ever since Savonarola, a Dominican monk, at the request of the Signori, the governing council of Florence, took over the reins of government, the exiled Medici, through their supporters in the city, have attacked him. Twice, they attempted to assassinate him. The people at first were intensely loyal to the friar. Recently, however, the Vatican excommunicated Savonarola, placed an interdict upon Florence. This, to, together with the economic pressures applied by the friar's enemies at home and abroad, have stretched the people's loyalty to the breaking point. Last week, Fra Francesco di Puglia, an influential Franciscan friar and a staunch supporter of the Medici, challenged Savonarola to go through a fiery ordeal with him. Savonarola refused, but Fra Domenico, his brother factotum and a devout disciple, accepted in his name. Fra Francesco di Puglia then deputized one of his own disciples, Fra Giuliano, to go through the fire with Savonarola's champion. The Signori approved the test, even agreed to preside over it. They have constructed a special platform for the ordeal in the center of the square. Don Hollenbeck is near it now, so go ahead, Don Hollenbeck. State guards have cleared a considerable area around this platform. No one but officials are permitted beyond the circle of those guards. The platform's about 60 or 70 feet long, stands three feet high on a brick base, and it's about three feet wide. Brushwood has been piled on either side, forming two walls about six feet high. That brushwood has been soaked in oil, pitch, and resin. I can smell it from here. There's also a fair amount of gunpowder in it. The light of a single torch will turn that platform into a gauntlet of raging flame. If anyone comes out of that gauntlet alive, it will indeed be a miracle. The official in charge of the ordeal is here beside me. He's Piero Delia Alberti, a member of the governing council. Signor Piero, will you tell us, please, what are the conditions set down by the Signori for this test? Fra Domenico and Fra Giuliano will enter the platform from opposite ends at the same time. At the instant they enter, torches will be applied at either end. 
the two monks will proceed through the flames, and the survivor, if there is a survivor, will emerge from the opposite side. If Fra Domenico perishes in the flames, it will be a sign from heaven that God does not look with favor upon Savonarola's cause. And, as he has agreed, Savonarola will leave the city and never return. And if Fra Giuliano dies? Then Fra Francesco di Puglia will be banished from the city. Well, suppose both men die on the fire, then what? That will also be a sign that the Lord is not with Savonarola. He will be banished. And not Fra Francesco? That is correct. Well, that doesn't seem fair, does it? Certainly it is fair. It is Savonarola who claims that his cause is divinely guided, not Francesco. Signor Piero, why were you in particular chosen to preside over this affair? Eh, why not? Someone had to do it. Quite true, but it's generally known in Florence that you are a bitter critic of Savonarola. I assure you, Signore, I am not alone in my opposition to the friar. But I fail to see why that should disqualify me. The outcome is in God's hands. Neither I nor any other mortal man can affect it. Signor Piero, this ordeal by fire is an ancient pagan ritual that hasn't been practiced for centuries. Why did the Signori approve of such a barbaric method of settling a dispute? Così sta bene. Observe, Signore, the people in the piazza around us. Note the frenzy by which they are consumed. Yes, I, I see that. But hasn't that frenzy been deliberately whipped up by the enemies of Savonarola? It is also true that this ordeal would have never come about if Savonarola had not claimed to be God's prophet. But uh, that is neither here nor there. The fact remains that the people insist upon the ordeal. And they shall have it. Thank you, Piero Delia Alberti. While I was talking to Delia Alberti, Fra Francesco de Puglia and his champion, Fra Giuliano, arrived. They've taken their places now on the steps of the palace, directly below the balcony. People in the crowd are shouting out, Savonarola, the friar. I don't know whether it's partisan cheering, whether it really means that Savonarola is coming, but John Daly can tell us, so go ahead, John Daly. Savonarola and his monks are entering the piazza in double file, chanting as they approach. The state guards are clearing a path for them through the throng, the crowd pressing forward from all directions to see the procession. A contingent of mace bearers from the monastery of San Marco walk at the head of the procession. Directly behind them comes Savonarola, dressed in white robes, and he carries the host. His champion, Fra Domenico, is at his side, wearing a fiery red coat and carrying a large wooden crucifix. After them come the Dominican monks, wearing their black robes, about 300 of them, I should judge. And behind them, bringing up the rear of the procession, come the Piagnoni, members of Savonarola's popular party, supporters of the Republic. These Piagnoni are well-armed. They've constituted themselves Savonarola's bodyguard. They carry lighted torches, even though it's broad daylight, but their free hands rest on the hilts of their swords and daggers, and their eyes are fixed on the crowd. The Dominican monks have reached the place set aside for them on the steps of the palace, and Savonarola's monks are still chanting. I've just been informed that the hymn is the 67th Psalm, which begins with the words, Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered. And let them that hate him flee from before his face. As smoke vanisheth, so let them vanish away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. It's an impressive chant. Let's listen to it. 
months continue their Gregorian chant of the 67th Psalm, and now Savonarola and Fra Domenico have knelt before the improvised altar set up for them on the steps of the Palace of the Signoria. They are praying. The Piagnoni have formed a protective wall before them, facing the crowd, and Ned Kalmer is with the Piagnoni. So go ahead, Ned Kalmer. The leader of the Piagnoli is with us here at the microphone. He is Marcuccio Salviati, a young man, a soldier by profession. Will you face the microphone, Salviati? You please, Signora, I would like to face the crowd. Eh? Oh, of course, I understand. I'll turn the microphone. Do you think somebody may try to break through your ranks and make an attempt on Savonarola's life? It is possible, Signore. There are Compagnacci swine in that crowd, terrorists in the pay of the Medici. Every one of us is sworn to lay down our lives before we permit these mad dogs to touch a sacred person. You speak of the friar as though he were a saint. Saint he is. For a more godly man never labored in the Lord's vineyard. The holy friar preaches simple Christian doctrine. He condemns the, the vanities and worldliness of society and the clergy. He is God's scourge upon the evil and licentious. For this, the weakenated. I wasn't speaking of religious matters, Salviati. Many Florentines say that the people are worse off materially than they were under the Republic, that this regime has proven bad for the people. Do you consider a Republican form of government bad? Bad? Is it that Savonarola has abolished hosiery? That he has struck at the city's domination by bankers? Bad that he has revised the tax rates according to one's ability to pay? Uh, oh, Signore, this I consider good. Savonarola has whipped the money changers from our temples. If he has sinned, he has sinned against Mammon. And for this, the worshippers of Mammon would have his head. Thank you, Marcuccio Salviati. Ken Roberts at the north end of the square has just reported that members of the Compagnacci over there are creating a disturbance of some sort. So over to Ken Roberts. The leader of the Compagnacci, Dorfo Spini, a man of about 30, has leaped up on the pedestal of the statue. He is haranguing the crowd with a earshot, accusing Savonarola of deliberately delaying the trial by fire. Let's listen to him. Spini has just accused the friar of stealing gold from the Florentines, and the man in the crowd has called out liar. The Compagnacci are attacking the man in the crowd, but he's not alone. Others are rushing to his support. Swords have been drawn now, and daggers are fired. Here come the state guards on horseback. They're charging in now, breaking up the fight, swinging their swords and pikes. The leader of the Compagnacci has climbed down from the pedestal of the statue, and he's passing this way. He's calling his men off, gathering them around him. I bet Speedy, he speaks English. Let's see if we can get him to talk. Speedy! Speedy, may I have a word with you? Speedy, a word, please? Out of my way. This is no time for words. Please, just one question. The Compagnacci have been accused of being in the pay of the Medici. Is that true, Spini? foul lie. We are hirelings for no one. We are Florentine patriots. And we fight for the people of Florence against that sorcerer, that spellfinder with his damned republic, which is only a cloak for his ambition. If Savonarola is ambitious, Spini, then why did he refuse to accept a cardinal's hat from the Pope when it was offered to him a year ago? That jest. Sure, a mere gesture to blind the people. 
he is playing for higher stakes. The tiara, the Pope's crown. And he will not be satisfied until he gets it. But he will not get it. For today we shall see the end of this heretic, this antichrist. Thank you, Spini. There still seems to be some delay in starting the ordeal. So we take you now to Quincy Howe on our CBS News headquarters inside the Palace of Signoria. Go ahead, Quincy Howe. The leader of the Campagnacci has given you one picture of Savonarola. The leader of the Piagnoni, another. These two estimates of the friar directly contradict each other. Now, actually, what kind of man is Savonarola? And what is his place in Florentine life? Here at our microphone with me is one man who can give us objective answers to these questions. He does not support either Savonarola or the Medici. His name is Niccolo Machiavelli. And he's a young Florentine diplomat, only 29 years old, whom his fellow citizens already regard as one of their shrewdest politicians. You flatter me, signore. Not a bit of it. Signor Niccolò, what is your opinion of Savonarola? What do you think of him? Savonarola? First, he is not a saint. He is a man like you and me. A Christian, yes. A true Christian. That is possible in the man's personal life. With this, I take no exception. But when he insists upon applying his Christian idealism to statecraft, huh, he becomes an impractical dreamer, a visionary. Uh, well, that's uh, rather a remarkable statement, Signor Niccolò. Uh, just why do you think it's so impractical to apply Christian ideals to statecraft? Because, Signore, um, man by his very nature is evil. Fickle, false, cowardly, and covetous. In his relations with his fellow man, he is not guided by Christian love. All that controls his evil passions is fear. Fear. That seems a, rather a, a cynical point of view. See, si. it is a pity, but it is a fact. A successful leader, Signore, understands this. He has faith not in God, but in himself. Uh, only in himself? See, si. He must be able to win friends by force or by fraud. He must be a man who can make himself feared by the people, obeyed by the soldiers. He must know how to dissemble, to lie, to cheat, to kill his enemies, when to reward his friends. In short, Signore, he must be a man of such great selfish ambition that he will sweep all before him to secure his end. Well, it's uh, certainly obvious that Savonarola is not that kind of leader, Signor Niccolò. No. Unfortunately for himself and for Florence, he is not. If he were, he would not be in the embarrassing predicament he finds himself in today. Uh, uh, what predicament do you mean? The poor friar, signore, is in a trap. Uh, by a trap, of course, you mean uh, the ordeal by fire. There will be no ordeal by fire. Uh, no? No. Because Savonarola knows full well that if Fra Domenico enters the flames, he will never come out alive. And that's for Fra Francesco di Puglio. He knows Fra Giuliano far too well to believe for an instant 
that the good brother will sacrifice his life in the pleasures of the flesh for a dispute which in no way profits him. Uh, now, if what you say is true, what is really behind today's happenings? It is a plot, signore. A plot on the part of Savonarola's enemies to discredit him in the eyes of the people. Uh, all right. Uh, suppose this is a plot. How do you think it's going to develop? I do not know the particular method that will be employed, but I know what I would do if I were a party to the plot. Uh, most interesting. Uh, and now, won't you tell us what you would do? Compiacere. First of all, I uh, Excuse me, uh, just a moment, uh, Niccolò Machiavelli. Yes? Uh, John Daly tells me that the ordeal is about to begin. Yes, so back to the square and go ahead, John Daly. Here at the center of this dramatic scene on the steps of the Palace of the Signoria, Savonarola and Fra Domenico are just a few feet away from me with Fra Francesco di Puglia and Fra Giuliano. The principals in the ordeal are waiting for Alberti to give them their final instructions. And out among the great crowd massed in the piazza here, there are signs of restiveness. Every once in a while, a cry rolls out above the heads of the masked and packed humanity, and there's a note of anger, of tension in it, although both of the monks are now ready, and a few moments ago, they completed their devotions. Alberti is talking with several of the signori. Fra Domenico is still carrying the large wooden crucifix which he carried when he entered the square. Perhaps he intends taking it into the flames with him. Fra Domenico has an expression on his face that can only be described as one of ecstasy. He seems completely unafraid, almost joyous in anticipation of being the agent of a heavenly miracle which will vindicate his beloved Savonarola. The friar is talking to his disciple now. Savonarola presents a striking figure in his white robes. He's a man of middle stature, but powerfully built, brilliant, piercing eyes under heavy black brows. He's one of the most moving, most eloquent orators in Italy, and if you've ever heard him preaching, as I have, from his pulpit in St. Mark's, you'd know the compelling power of the man's personality. One senses his courage, his conviction. Fra Francesco and Fra Giuliano are talking to one another. They appeared... Oh, Alberti is approaching the four monks now. Let's listen. Frati... Alberti asked if the brothers are ready to submit themselves to God's judgment, and they have answered yes. May God in his wisdom manifest his will. So speaks Alberti. Fra Francesco has just asked whether Fra Domenico intends walking into the flames carrying the crucifix. Savonarola has answered yes. De Puglia objects. He declares it to be sacrilege for Fra Domenico to enter the fire with the crucifix. And Savonarola just took the crucifix from Fra Domenico. He turned again to Fra Francesco and said, He who walks with God needs no symbol. Fra Francesco just raised still another objection, this time to Fra Domenico's red cope. He accuses Savonarola of having charmed it to make it immune from the fire. 
Savonarola, without a word, has turned, is removing Fra Domenico's red coat, and now the friar turns again to Fra Francesco. Savonarola said, here stands Fra Domenico without his red coat. Dipuglia just said, very well, but we saw you touch his shoulder. Don't think we're fools, we know what that means. And Savonarola has asked, what does it mean now, Dipuglia, again? Dipuglia says it means that Savonarola has re-charmed Fra Domenico's garment. He will not permit the ordeal unless Fra Domenico changes his clothes. Savonarola says, your object is plain, very plain, Fra Francesco. E cambia saio con uno dei tuoi fratelli in Dio. And then he turns to Fra Domenico and tells him to go inside the palace to change garments with one of his brothers in Christ. It's difficult to say exactly what the object is behind Di Puglia's delaying tactics, but the ordeal will certainly be held up for some time. Fra Domenico is walking now up the steps to the palace. The conversation here, of course, was not heard by the crowd. They don't know yet what has happened, and no doubt they think it's all part of the preparations. Alberti has suddenly signaled the trumpeters. They are calling the crowd's attention, and evidently there will be an announcement. Yes, Alberti is stepping forward. He raises his arms. The crowd oh, goes silent. Alberti is speaking. A causa dell'ora tarda e degli indugi dovuti alla malavoglia di affrontare la prova dimostrata da Fra Domenico, la prova del fuoco non potrà del luogo. In nome della signoria, vi ordino di ritirarvi e di vacare la piazza. Questa è una bugia. La prova è soppressa. Questa è una bugia. Alberti has called off the ordeal. The ordeal is cancelled. Suddenly and without warning, Alberti signaled the trumpeters, spoke to the crowd, telling them that the ordeal was being called off because of Fra Domenico's unwillingness to go through the fire. The crowd has broken into a fury of protest. They are crying out, down with Savonarola, a miracle. We want a miracle. Fra Domenico has stopped in amazement. He is looking at the prior in bewilderment. And now Savonarola has turned to the crowd. He has raised his arms and is trying to get their attention. It was Fra Francesco who seemed to be raising all the objections. There was no honest reason, no justifiable basis that we can see for calling off the test. But the crowd is now quieting down somewhat. It looks as if they're going to listen to the patrola. The friar is addressing the crowd. Quello che essi vi dicono è falso. Non è per via di noi che viene soppressa la prova. Sono loro che non ebbero mai l'intenzione di permettere che avesse luogo. Savonarola has just said that he is not responsible for the cancellation of the ordeal. He said it is the Franciscans who never meant to go through with it. Fra Domenico, Fra Domenico grabbed a torch from the hands of the Pignoni and is dashing down the steps toward the platform. I think he means to enter the gauntlet and set it aflame without Fra Giuliano. The friar is calling out, stop him, stop him, stop Fra Domenico. The Pignoni have rushed out to intercept him. They've seized him, knocked the torch from his hand and Fra Domenico is struggling to get free. The crowd is stunned at the unexpected turn. Events have taken it out of Honorora again. Non voglio che Fra Domenico si esponga le fiamme. 
Foi que se lo faz é segura morte que lo aspeta. The Barabrola has said, I do not want Fra Domenico to enter the flames because he will perish. And he adds, I will not sacrifice the devout servant of the Lord to intrigue and treachery of my enemies. But the crowd does not accept the explanation. They are roaring for a miracle in Savarola again. Ed i segni sovrannaturali non si comandano, non ne vengono a piacere. Sono queste cose di Dio. The Barola has said miracles and supernatural signs and tokens are not at the command or the pleasure of man. They must be vouchsafed by the Lord. Prophet Antichrist, Savonarola has raised his arms to heaven. He seems to be appealing to God. Savonarola prays. Se queste mie parole non sono da te ispirate, che il tuo fulmine mi colpisca e che il fuoco della tua ira mi avviluppi. Oh Lord, if my words come not from thee, strike me with thy thunder and let the fires of thy wrath consume me. But the crowd will not be moved. Their frenzied hysterical shouts are filling the square with a mighty roar of fury and they're stoning Savonarola now, all turned against the man that they once loved and revered. Savonarola is finished as a power in Florentine life. He tried desperately but failed to convince the people that the ordeal by fire was a hoax, a plot hatched by his enemies to discredit him in the eyes of the people by making it appear as if he did not wish to go through with the ordeal. The way is now paved for the Medici to return to this demoralized... April 7th, 1498. Savonarola falls from power and the Republic of Florence is doomed. You have been listening to The Fall of Savonarola, another broadcast in the series You Are There, produced and directed by Robert Louis Sheehan. The Fall of Savonarola was written by Henry Walsh and Mr. Sheehan. Joseph DeSantis was Savonarola, Guy Sorrell played Alberti, John Merlin was Salviati, Harold Huber played Spini, Raymond Edward Johnson was Machiavelli, and Giuseppe Sterni was Fra Francesco di Puglia. Next week... May 16, 1868, Washington, D.C. The impeachment of Andrew Johnson. You are there. Jack Warner, production chief of Warner Brothers Studios, goes talent scouting in reverse tonight. Mr. Warner will drop in on his former star, J. Barrymore Benny, in an attempt to persuade him not to appear in a radio dramatization of his Warner's picture. Mary, Phil, Rochester, Dennis, and Don will help take it from there, so join radio's largest audience for comedy tonight for The Jack Benny Show at 7 o'clock Eastern Time on these same CBS stations. This is CBS, Jack Benny's radio address, the Columbia Broadcasting System. <laughs>